Hello, everyone. This is Sherry Rice. Welcome to Access to Healthcare's weekly podcast, where we bring you local guests on a variety of topics of interest for you and your family. Today, we continue our series on getting back to normal with my frequent guest, Nora Ann Brooklocker, a local marriage and family therapist with Sierra Sunrise Wellness. Welcome, Nora Ann. Hey, Sherry. Good to be here. Yeah, good to hear your voice. Last podcast, we talked about um, what is normal because we're talking about getting back to normal, so that seemed like an appropriate thing. And we talked about how we adapt as human beings. And then we talked about our children, how to help them with the changes that have been happening and will continue to happen. Today, we are talking about our social lives, getting back to normal, dating, gatherings, travel. Uh, interesting enough, Noran, you know, I think you know that I'm an introvert. I have small, intimate gatherings. That's what I, that's what I enjoy. Uh, one of the pluses of the last few years for me is that um, I don't have to go to large gatherings if I don't want to. In other words, those sort of chicken dinners where you don't know anybody. Um, so I'm very clear on on what I like in a social gathering. But let's talk about how we learn to be social again, because so many people have taken this year and over a year off and haven't been out and about. How can we learn to be social again? Because things, we haven't experienced certain things for a very long time, going to a concert, ball game, baby shower, weddings. Um, How do we learn to be social again and how do we learn to chat with strangers? Oh, (laughs) yeah. Yeah, when we get out of old habits, I suppose, um, in some ways that can be really good. And in some ways, it's rebuilding and practicing once more. I think uh, for some, the pandemic has allowed uh, to see how those small interactions with others, whether it's just maybe a passing hello at a grocery store or um, a smile and nod with a stranger at a park, it can really um, be a nice uh, difference to one's day. You know, there's this one individual in my neighborhood I live in that um, likes to wave to all the cars that are driving by, and it just it brings a smile to my face. I have no idea who he is, but he has made me smile on lots of occasions. I think that we have had these two different worlds we've been living in. We've got the virtual experience, and then we have our real lived experiences as well. And I think that social socialization is that method of being able to identify cognitive distortions that we have. So, for example, someone who has been alone and predominantly isolated with limited opportunity or perhaps desire for engaging in those social interactions might have even greater difficulty in braving the experience of reintegration um, because of some of that rumination of what it's going to be like. The thing about this last year and COVID-19 is that it's no longer simply about a virus. It has become so much more than that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it truly has. Um, and what about making the pandemic a conversation starter? I know that um, that I do that occasionally. I say, "How did your family do with the with the last year and the pandemic?" Does that seem appropriate? It, I think, on the whole, is a very relatable topic. You know, um, probably akin to uh, some degree talking about the weather or. Um, I, I think that there there are a lot of ways in which it can really open the door to um, 
a, a reconnecting type of conversation. Um, I think that there are a few key topics, however, that appear to be particularly charged. Uh, yeah, so I, w- I would say that um, it is definitely relatable. Um, however, there are some really charged uh, topics as well, such as masks and politics and the now familiar question of, well, are you vaccinated or do you plan to get uh, vaccinated? I do think that while it's probably um, a great place to start, it might very well create some discomfort as well for for some individuals. And we might not realize we've touched on a rather raw, tender nerve until the conversation begins to get a little bit um, awkward. And how do we, well, well, let's go back uh, talking about how to converse with strangers. Let's talk about a wedding. Um, Certainly, if we go to a wedding, we may know the bride, we may know the groom, maybe we don't know a lot of other people there, or a baby shower, maybe we know the uh, the expectant mother, but not a lot of other people. What is your advice to people that really have social anxiety about starting a conversation with a stranger? I would say that small talk can actually set the groundwork for a more deeply meaningful conversation to follow. And we don't typically drop into the deep end of conversations, um, and especially if somebody isn't quite prepared for it at that particular moment. Um, I typically also want to walk away really feeling uh, something from, from a conversation more than we passed words. And so I think that um, at, at bigger events or uh, starting conversations, there are also other topics that people really enjoy, such as movies and shows or books or traveling, art and culture, food, uh, interest and hobbies. I, I think that when, when it comes to relating with people once more, it's remembering that we're relating with other people and there's so many more aspects to these individuals than what has just transpired this past year. And I think a lot of people as well are wanting to be able to get back in touch with those aspects of themselves in this reintegration process. We um, probably will look at this situation a lot like the pre-9-11 and post-9-11 world. It will probably be to some extent pre-COVID and now post-COVID, although, again, we're not post-COVID at this time. Um, But I would say at this point, there are a lot of ways in which we perhaps have forgotten about these other aspects that make up our world, our experience in this world. Um, Norian, what is social anxiety? It seems like it's, it's normal, but I think it can probably have many layers to it and sometimes can keep people from interacting. But most don't most people have some social anxiety? Yeah, I would say a, a good number of people will probably feel a certain level of nervous nervousness. And um, shyness is actually a little bit different. Shyness might just be that you want to get comfortable and acclimated to the waters. Um, and once you have warmed up, then you can absolutely uh, interact. Um, social anxiety, though, I would say is is um, a deeper level of it. It's uh, a fear of being judged, saying or doing the wrong thing, feeling humiliated or rejected. A lot of times for those individuals uh, who have a level of diagnosable social anxiety, um, it has begun to really cause 
issues in their functionality um, that they might they might fear to to go out into the world to leave their homes. That would be you know perhaps more at the level of agoraphobia. But um, with social anxiety, it could be almost excruciating to have to begin a conversation. Just as you asked a moment ago, the how do we start a conversation? That's one of the hardest parts. Um, so having icebreakers can be really helpful, but it could be nearly crippling in some individuals to simply have to put themselves out there um, without knowing entirely what the response will be. It's a whole other level of uncertainty. And when we have been juggling so much uncertainty this past year, there uh, are probably quite a number of people who are feeling very raw at this time. Well, and I also noticed that the there's a whole different mindset on the wearing of masks. And mm-hmm. when people, th- this would be my observation, and I don't know how you feel about it, Noram, but with the masks, I don't connect with people. It's it's more of not starting a conversation because really the whole mask in and of itself sort of says to me, don't talk to me, even though that's probably, that's not what it's there for. That's such an interesting point um, that what it says to us uh, unconsciously versus what it is that we know that they're intended for consciously um, might be playing two different roles. That's a really, really fascinating point, Sherry. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Yeah, and I I think that because I can only see somebody's eyes and I, I never realized how much I count on the whole facial expression to be able to see whether somebody is connecting or not or wants to connect. Does that make sense? Yes. That has been one of my challenges in beginning in-person sessions is that I'm only seeing half of the face. Um, The digital sessions, I can still, you know, see at least the face and the expressions of somebody. Um, You can still rely on certain other cues, of course, but... Um, to know if somebody's smiling, I think, is really quite uh, a nod that we look for in our interactions to feel that sense of uh, encouragement to continue whatever it is that we might be saying. And without the smile or without that sense of knowing um, somebody's expressions and where they might be at, it can be really disconcerting. Absolutely. Well, let's go back to the social anxiety a little bit. Um it is normal for many of us to feel at times social anxiety. If something makes us anxious, should we avoid it um, or should we just soldier on and work our way through it? So this would be one where I would say sometimes yes and sometimes no. I think that with the sometimes of yes, I think that you're absolutely right. Social anxiety is common, um, and I think that there are going to be times where we might feel the sense of um, accomplishment in having worked through something that came up. You know, there's there's going to oftentimes be feelings either way, but on the other side of things, sometimes there can be that sense of, um, oh, man, that was something that I would really was looking forward to, and I wasn't able to get the courage up to do it. Now I feel really disappointed. So there's those feelings to have to also deal with on top of the anxiety that came initially. But when we can work through something, there is that sense of success and having achieved something in that particular day. Um, you can definitely give yourself that pat on the back for, for having overcome. Um, the sometimes 
experience of where um, you have that sense in like a pit in your stomach and that sense of you really are not okay and you're trying Mm -hmm. to push past that anyway, that would be one of those signs of maybe we're not really listening to something important within ourselves that's saying that there's too high a vulnerability and we're not okay. We're not in integrity with doing whatever it might be. So sometimes yes, sometimes no. Mm -hmm. And some people um, really like chit-chat and some people um, would rather have a more intimate um, conversation of, say, a different type of substance? Is that sort of an introvert-extrovert type of thing? I think that uh, we don't always know what is in somebody's history. And I think that certainly uh, introvert-extrovert, there's there's probably some level of correlation. I don't happen to know what the the number mm-hmm. the numbers are on that. But with that said, I think that um, awkward pauses are particularly dreadful, and sometimes the chit chat uh, can be what fills the space, um, and that can come from a place of uh, discomfort as well. Um, I find that I really like to listen and I really like to hear where it is that somebody is coming from. So I tend to be more the observer first. Um, but with that said, I think, you know, there there are certain topics that can become very personal uh, very quickly. And um, I think that we don't always uh, fully realize, again, that we've gotten ourselves into too deep of waters until we begin to see perhaps somebody pulling back or perhaps their their fight or flight types of mechanisms starting to come out. Um, And so when it comes to generating conversation that is impactful and meaningful, I think that it's Um, trying to ensure that we're watching the cues of that person, even perhaps asking them, are you comfortable with this conversation or would you like to Mm -hmm. go a different direction? That's entirely fine Mm -hmm. to say. And I think somebody might feel a sense of relief in being able to say, oh, phew, I don't have to answer that. (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. And another piece I would say here is asking open-ended questions. You know, sometimes we get into these conversations with the yes or no, um, and that doesn't really give it a whole lot of places to go. Whereas if you ask those open-ended questions of, well, what do you think about that? Um, That could allow somebody to really unfold of their opinion or their thoughts on on a subject more so than the yes or no. Well, that brings up, we were talking a few minutes ago whether a conversation starter would be, how has this last year been for you? Um, How has your family fared with the pandemic? And then you get into a conversation that maybe is uncomfortable, maybe it's political, maybe it's um, the antithesis of your views. How does one get out of an uncomfortable conversation? I I know it's happened to all of us, but what is the best way to to sort of smoothly and without um, embarrassing anyone or making it uncomfortable? How do we get out of those conversations? Um, I think that, you know, dynamics can be really, really important um, as to to whom it is that you're speaking with and how your dynamic with that person operates. 
Um, again, if it's just a stranger, somebody whom you've never met, then I would say that that's one of those where you can politely disengage by saying, you know what, I so appreciate being able to have this this moment with you, and thank you for, for sharing me with me what you have. Um, unfortunately, I am not uh, able to continue this conversation at this time, but at the same time, I'm, I'm really grateful that you felt able and willing to, to open up to me as you just have. You know, that's not mm-hmm. a dismissal. It's not invalidation of where they stand and what's going on with them, but it is letting them know that this conversation um, is perhaps a little uh, not the best timed. And so I think as well, if it's like, say, a family member or a friend, um, then that one is going to potentially be a little bit more intimate, and that person might have some more hurt feelings of the conversation being ended. Um, it might that be that that person says, well, why won't you talk to me about these things? And especially when it's, say, some of those more personal things that are happening and questions to be asked, um, to uh place boundaries or to extricate yourself from the conversation definitely might be a bit more of a hot button. Um, So I think plus, plus, minus, plus is a favorite technique of mine where, again, we start on the positive. So often we're looking for points of disagreement in our conversations with others. And instead, again, I would come back to the technique of looking for the points of agreement, the points where you can say, okay, well, I think you and I, we feel very similarly on this particular issue. And I can see that you have really put a lot of thought and heart into the way that you have decided to uh, look at the world in this particular avenue, I would say there are some points of disagreement that are coming up that I don't know how to process yet or that I don't know how to talk about with, with you or others at this moment in time, and I'm just not there yet. With that said, perhaps we can come back to this conversation at a later date when I've had more time to chew on the words that you've shared and some, some time to process the feelings that have come up with that. It's, it's, again, it's not a dismissal. I think a lot of times people are expecting to be dismissed, especially when they dive into these uh, topics. And I think this past year has been really agitating for, for all sorts of reasons, and we're coming from that place. It doesn't mean that we want to be that with one another, but people are just irritated. And I think it's understandably so. And so if you're Mm -hmm. finding that your emotions are rising, that's a perfect example of a time to say, "Mm, maybe I need to take a few deep breaths. Maybe um, this would be a good time for a comfort box that utilizes the five senses. Um, Maybe this is a time to use a stress ball. Um, but mm-hmm. I would also say we need to slowly increase our threshold for these types of conversations over time, building mm-hmm. up to doing these things versus doing it all at once. Yeah. Well, let's move on to another possibly uncomfortable conversation and talk about dating because a lot of people put their dating life on hold. Um, and whether it's dating, you meet someone online at work or at a get together, um, it would seem, is it appropriate, it would seem to me a discussion on COVID-19 comfort zones would be a good discussion to have if you're going to date somebody like vaccines, public gatherings, indoor gatherings, physical intimacy. Um, do you think that's an important conversation pretty pretty quickly into the dating? And how do you start those? 
I think that this is also an opportunity to discover one's core values. And um, I think that our fundamental beliefs can definitely influence how we conduct ourselves in the world. Um, I think that more often than not, we want to feel fairly in alignment with the person that we are hoping to partner with. And um, also perhaps on the same page in the greater view of things of working towards those fulfillment of life goals. And I think that these conversations, the, the topics that you've just described as well, have really come forward as different ways of being in the world. So I think it's entirely appropriate to bring up some questions around some of these things. But as I said earlier, I think we have to be very careful here to not misconstrue the the answers that somebody might give to these hot-button questions um, with their values or uh, morality system. I think that these are very complex issues and questions. And um, when asking these questions, again, it's doing so in uh, an open-hearted, open-ended sort of way. Uh, If their values are not in alignment with yours, I think that is a really great way to continue to move move on and move forward. Um, More than often, we don't want to waste our time. You know, if, if this person is not quite right for us, then these might be ways to allow ourselves to see a little bit more quickly, are we going to have that level of alignment that I am personally looking for? Um, But dating definitely has been a difficult one during the pandemic. Well, we usually look at commonality of values when we're dating anyway, and it just seems like COVID has added another layer to that, being able to uh, see if you're on the same page with it. If one feels that masks are irrelevant and not needed and one feels that masks are needed, that certainly seems like that needs to be a conversation. It absolutely, it absolutely does. And I would also say opposites do attract. Um, So thinking differently doesn't necessarily Mm -hmm. mean that it is a deal breaker. Um, But there are some issues that are mutually exclusive. And I would also say that people tend to change with the times and the zeitgeist of particular eras. And I think that the mask wearing, to wear the mask or not to wear the mask, is probably a part of our own zeitgeist of our era. Um, But I I think that it is one of those where um, people can have really strong opinions and views on it. And, again, what is behind that? What what really got that ball of wax rolling on that one? And I think that there is represented in it a lot of symbolism for what people have gone through on either side of the, the mask debate. And mm-hmm. um, I think that, again, it, it, what to me would be more important in that conversation is how you deal with the disagreement. Because disagreements are a very common part of relationships, but how do you talk about it? What comes up for each person? Do they begin to name call? Do they begin to uh, put forward criticisms? Does one person begin to get on the defensive or the other person begins to get on the defensive? If we're on the defensive, we're not actually hearing each other. Um, we're, We're looking to perhaps 
uh, justify, um, or we're looking to um, be able to rationalize. We want that other person to, to hear our ideas on things. But when it really comes down to it, are you able to have a conversation where you both walk away having learned and grown um, and hopefully heard something that the other person had to offer because that's where compromise comes in over time. Again, with the mutually exclusive issues, that can be so much more difficult because there aren't always very clear uh, compromises. An example would be to have children or not to have children. That one is pretty clear cut. You, it, you can have some level of compromise, like somebody becomes a teacher um, and they get to, to spend time with, with children in that capacity, but uh, having your own children is a huge question. A lot of relationships need to deal with prior to, say, getting to the marriage um, point of things. Um, if that is one of those that hasn't come up in conversation, then that can be a really big blindside and a deal breaker down the road. So let's talk about some things that we can keep in mind as we broaden our circles, because that's certainly, I think, what the rest of 2021 is going to be, is sort of uh, reopening our circles. Um, it's okay to start small, don't you think? Just yeah. little comfort steps? Yeah. Yeah. Again, trying to increase your threshold of uh, the vulnerability that comes with some of these interactions and build your threshold over time so that you can uh, withstand some of the anxiety that comes uh, in the aftermath of coming out of the situation. Do you feel in integrity? So the smaller you start, the, the better off that you are to be, to be able to build up. Yeah, and accept that certain activities might be tough, and we don't need to do all activities. Right, right. I um, think there's going to be some people that want to stay home more frequently, and yeah. I think that that's something to normalize, in fact, that it's okay to not have to go out all the time, that, in fact, um, not having certain things on the calendar to, to do a little staycation can be really quite nice on some occasions as well. Well, I've read a few articles uh, that people realize they don't have to replicate what they did before COVID, whatever that might have looked like for them. Um, maybe with COVID, they cut down on their outside time and got to spend more time with family, and they don't necessarily have to replicate how their life was pre-COVID. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I think that there there are definite ways that people want to look back on this experience experience of this last year and more um, in order to be able to see what it is that they'd like to maintain in going forward. Mm -hmm. What changes um, they made of, that they'd like to keep. <laughs> yeah. And some of the things that I've heard you saying as we've been talking is don't compare yourself to others, that having anxiety as we navigate uh, the post-pandemic life is normal, doesn't mean something's wrong. Be conscious of others' boundaries. That's what I heard you say. And check in with yourself and adjust your own comfort zone as you need it. Yes. Yes. Yeah. All of those. Absolutely. Are there any others that you think we need to be conscious of? I would say that there are times where 
at this point in things, we can get really easily overwhelmed as, again, things are getting back on the calendar and people are wanting to um, get to see one another again. I think that there might be moments where people will notice that their emotions are becoming heightened and they can't necessarily pinpoint it on any particular thing that has happened uh, recently, but it's usually a composition of all of it (laughs) and Mm -hmm. allowing yourself then perhaps to um, grieve. You know, if if there is uh, an opportunity where you feel safe again and you are noticing that um, things within yourself are coming back into alignment that might be really incongruent to this sense of of grief that then comes through as well. But I think, again, that's the... um, For somebody who has been vaccinated, for example, that would be indicative that they now feel safer, and so therefore those emotions can come out to be processed. Um, So with emotions being heightened, you know, I I think one of the the best things that we can do is to give each other generosity, space, and consideration that this has been really hard, and it has uh, definitely shown us different sides of ourselves, and I think we're still coming to terms with some of the sides of ourselves that have come out uh, over the course of this time. We're, We're going through a reconciliation process, kind of a reckoning within ourselves, and I think that this is a perfect opportunity um, to be able to to grow and to learn from one another, um, but also from ourselves and what we have gone through this past year. Great words. Thank you so much, Norian. We've been talking about um, getting back to normal today, our social lives, um, dating, or just being able to go out to an event and talk to people. I think um, I think uh, Noran has had some great, great things to tell us and little hints on how we can make this better for ourselves. Uh, We've been talking to Noran Brooklocker. She's a local marriage and family therapist with Sierra Sunrise Wellness. And next time, Noran, I think we're going to talk about getting back to normal at the workplace, people coming back to work and, and what that looks like. That sounds great. Looking forward to it. And thank you so much, Sherry. Oh, thank you for being with us. We always look forward to um, the podcast that you and I have together. I think we hit on some important topics. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Wear your mask, get vaccinated if you feel that you can, and take care of yourself. 